Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 28th, 2018. And eight games slate to look at. Already a ton of injuries have come out and a lot of guys questionable. So this figures to be another pretty high scoring slate with probably a lot of value that's going to open up. First game to talk about is the Brooklyn Nets at the Orlando Magic. From the Nets side of the game, it's just too cheap for D'Angelo Russell and his upside. He is at 6,300 6, and really plus matchup against the Magic. Something we said before, the Magic have been awful against point guards this year. And Russell's not played well from a real basketball point of view lately, but from a fantasy perspective, he only scored 16 fantasy points in his last game, but was at least 33 or more in four consecutive games before that. Also, a lot of upside for him. He's had a bunch of games in the 50s and 40s this year, so definitely worth rostering D'Angelo Russell. The rest of the Met, the Nets minutes just tend to be really spread out, so I don't really think that there's anybody else who I want to actively target uh, from the Magic side of the game. Vucevic, I think, is a pretty good play at 7,800. The Nets allow more fantasy points to centers than any other team in the league. Uh, the rest of the team, I, I'm fine with just not rostering. The Nets are not really that bad defensively. It's just they're awful against uh, centers, and they're not great against point guards. But Augustin all the way at 5,700, just more than I want to pay for him. So what do you think of this game, Matt? Yeah, I think D'Angelo Russell is a good play. And even though the game is a really high total, it, that might be it for me. Um, I guess Vucevic and maybe even Gordon are worth looking at. Uh, what was Gordon's price again? Let's see. Gordon is up to 8,300. Yeah, definitely Vucevic over Gordon, but I don't know. It's hard to say what the Magic are going to do because they're still tanking, sort of. Uh, they played Gordon and Vucevic a lot of minutes last game against the Suns, but you never really know at this time of year. So the player I'm most comfortable rostering is D'Angelo Russell, and then I, don't know, I probably wouldn't use much of anyone else from this game. So you're not on board with Vucevic, really? I think I'm semi on board with it. I I think there's I think there's a lot of downside there if the Magic just don't play him that much. But I, I think he's got a ton of upside too, so he's worth rostering in GPPs. But I definitely wouldn't call him safe. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think you could argue nobody's safe at this point of year, other than the teams that are definitely playing for something. Yeah, there are a few guys that are a little safer than Vucevic, but most players are not safe right now. All right, well, the next game on the slate, the Cavaliers playing against the Charlotte Hornets. Speaking of safe players, LeBron has been one of the safest players in the league. He did not have a good game Tuesday night, but I think it's fine to overlook that. We have enough of a sample size of LeBron being good at basketball to say that was probably a one-off game. And the other thing also is there are so few guys to pay up for on this slate, and it looks like there's going to be so much value that I think by default LeBron just ends up in a lot of lineups. Uh, the other thing to consider here is that Kevin Love is questionable. He uh, got hit in the face and is in, I guess, concussion protocol, so he's going to have to pass that to be able to play tomorrow. If he's out, then LeBron gets all of that usage back. That We well, never really lost any usage with Kevin Love coming back anyway. LeBron just played really well, but it still is more usage for LeBron anyway. Larry Nance Jr. is only down to 5,000. He was in the 7,000s before when he was starting at center with Love out, so Nance would be a really strong play if Love can't go. From the Hornets side of the game, it's a really good matchup against the Cavs, but the pricing is just, I think it's a little too high on some of these guys. Kemba Walker, 8,500. Dwight Howard, 8,600. Uh, in a game stock, I guess they're okay, except not really a lot of pricing value there. So how do you feel about this game, Matt? And do you think LeBron just by default ends up in a lot of lineups for you also. 
Yeah, I'm kind of just looking who else might be worth paying up for. There's blowout risk for most of the other players or just like end of season tanking slash rest risk. So LeBron probably is the guy to pay up for. I think that's fair. Um, The Kevin Love situation definitely helps him, helps Larry Nance the most. And I'm kind of just looking to see if there's anyone else on Cleveland who gets a sizable bump with Kevin Love out. Uh, Tristan Thompson came back tonight. He's priced eh, 3,900 is probably a little much. Maybe I'd be interested in him if he were like exactly min price or something. Uh, but I guess it's possible he could start. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then I don't, I don't really think, I guess Jeff Green could start again if Kevin Love's out. Maybe Jeff Green and um, and Larry Nance is the front court with LeBron. Jeff Green's at 4,400. So I guess if he's starting, he's a good play. But uh, yeah, the, the guys to use from the Cavs the most are LeBron and Larry Nance. Uh, the issue with Kevin Love is that his tooth got knocked loose, and then he came back in the game, but then I think at halftime, they were testing him for concussion symptoms. I don't know why they didn't do that right away, but it seems like he's got a combination of things where he's got a mouth injury and a possible concussion. I would guess that he doesn't play, but I guess we'll just have to see. And then, yeah, I think this is a stackable game, but the Hornets kind of just are fairly priced. So they make sense for correlation, but I think I agree with you. I wouldn't use them much outside of game stacks. All right, uh, what do we have the Knicks at the Sixers next. So much blowout risk in this game because the Knicks get blown out by a lot of teams, and the Sixers have been blowing out a lot of teams recently. Sixers currently favored by 12.5 points, and honestly, if I had to guess, I think that spread's probably too low uh, versus too high, which is usually not the case for spreads that are double digits that we've seen recently or generally ever. Hold on. Before we go into the specifics of the game, the sharp money is definitely going against what you're saying, which is rare because usually you nail these uh, sharp money line moves and stuff on the night before the game analysis. But the Sixers opened at minus 13. They're only minus 12 and a half now. And that's with 83% of the bets on Philly. So the line's actually gone against them. Um, this could, though, be a situation where we've kind of talked about this with the Warriors and some other teams where it's kind of like the backdoor cover thing where the starters don't play a lot in the fourth and the other teams starters play against the Sixers backups. And then the Knicks kind of just end up losing by 10 or so, even though the game was just really out of hand. Yeah, like, uh, So I, I do think that there is merit to rostering some players from this game, like Trey Burke at 5,800. There's obvious upside in Trey Burke. We saw it last game. I'm not like you can't say that Trey Burke doesn't have a lot of upside, but I think there is merit to fading him in GPPs just because there is the chance of a blowout, and the Sixers are a really good defensive team. Um, I don't know if I'd say that he's a total fade for me right now, but I would say I'd probably lean towards going underweight on him as the course of action. So I'm trying to think like what I would guess Trey Burke's ownership to be tomorrow. I'd say in the 30% range, and I would say that I'd probably want to play Trey Burke somewhere between 10 and 20%. Uh, I think that seems like a fair number from the Sixers' side of the game. Joel Embiid is fine to pay up for in GPPs, but there is a lot of the blowout risk there, and I prefer to go up to LeBron. So how do you feel about the blowout risk in Trey Burke in this game, Matt? Because I, I think that those are I think that's really the key to this game. Well, I don't think the blowout risk has that much to do with the Knicks side. I think it has more to do with the Sixers side and using Embiid. Like Burke might just be too expensive where it's not worth using him anyway. Because he might just play in garbage time even if the Knicks are down a lot. It's kind of been it's been a coin flip, I guess, if Burke is or isn't in the game for blowouts. I'm not sure what the exact numbers are and how often he stays in for garbage time. But if Emmanuel Moutier is not playing, then it's just one less guy the Knicks have. And even if it's a blowout, Burke might just stay in the game through the fourth. So for his 
for for the pick on him, I guess I'm not really thinking about blowout risk as the relevant factor. It's a small factor, but I think it's more just he's going to be really highly owned. He's a little too pricey, so I'd probably want to have some of him, like you're saying, but I wouldn't want too much. Um, there is substantial blowout risk, so that would have me off Embiid a little bit. I think he's worth using for the upside, and I'd probably want to pair him with like maybe Tim Hardaway Jr., maybe Michael Beasley, maybe Ennis Cantor. I probably wouldn't use multiple of those guys in a full game stack. I don't think that's really the right value play here, but I think that using one or maybe two Knicks players, maybe Frank Nielakina also with Embiid, probably no one else from Philly. I think that a mini stack of that sort would make some sense, but I'm not really worrying about the blowout that much for Burke. I, I'm definitely worried about it for Embiid, though. All right. Uh, next is the Portland Trailblazers playing the Memphis Grizzlies. It looks like the baby is finally coming in the Lillard family because Lillard is flying back home. His child is expected to be born. We've had every game for, what is it, like two weeks or something like that. There's been the chance that Lillard has to leave mid-game in case his girlfriend goes into labor. But it looks like he is going to be out tomorrow. Well, he is going to be out tomorrow. He flew home and they ruled him out. So without Lillard, CJ McCollum is a 32% usage rating. He scores 37.5 fantasy points per 36 minutes with Lillard off the floor. So I look at McCollum at 7,500. I think he's a fine play, but I, I think that it's more fair pricing than anything else just because if we're going to put 37.5 fantasy points for 36 minutes, McCollum's probably going to play about 36 minutes. It's probably a neutral matchup against the Grizzlies, and he's 7,500. I do think there's a lot of room for upside just because if the game stays close, Portland's fighting for playoff positioning. They could give him uh, a little bit of extra playing time and we've we've seen the Grizzlies give up some really big games. And the other thing also, there's a chance that Marcus Saul ends up sitting just because we've seen him get rested a lot recently. And if that happens, the Grizzlies have a really shitty defense. We've seen the Grizzlies get destroyed in some games that Gasol doesn't play. So uh, I guess to kind of summarize what I'm saying there, I think McCollum's a good but not great play. Uh, Shabazz Napier is the best value play probably on the entire slate. He's going to be starting point guard with... Lillard out. Uh, Nurkic, fine for GPPs, not cash games. Generally what I always say about him. Evan Turner, also a fine play in this game. Evan Turner it has been starting for Portland because Mo Harkless is out, and Harkless' knee surgery was announced today he's going to need. So he's out for the season, most likely. From the Grizzlies' side of the game, I, I think we just have to wait to see is anybody resting who's playing, who's not, because Andrew Harrison's currently questionable. I think that this game could be a good stack spot, but we would have to know more about who's playing for the Grizzlies. And I'd never feel comfortable playing them unless we have a starting lineup prior to lock. Well, I think the the situation that gives us the best game stack here is if Gasol doesn't play because it's a big boost to the Portland side, like you said, and McCollum probably goes from a marginally good play to a much better play if Gasol's not there. And then if the Grizzlies are missing Gasol, Evans, and Harrison, that's a lot of usage to go around. Um, I think I'd be comfortable rostering guys like Jermichael Green and Jarrell Martin, even without a starting lineup, as long as we know that Gasol isn't playing and that Tyreek Evans isn't playing. They're a little underpriced anyway. And then if Harrison sits too, then I don't know, maybe you roster Dylan Brooks at 4,000. Maybe I probably wouldn't use Chandler Parsons at 3,200, even though he had a really good game. But Deontay Davis is 3,400. Wayne Seldon's 4,100. He was really good last game. Maybe uh, Mario Chalmers starts a point guard at 3,200. For those guys, I'd probably need to see a starting lineup to know who to use. But I think I'd be comfortable with Green and Martin just with Gasol being out. And then on Portland, I think Napier and Turner, 
especially Napier, are the best plays. I agree with you there. And I'd probably just kind of wait and see with McCollum what's going on with Gasol, because Marc Gasol is a really important part of the Grizzlies' defense. It's, he's kind of the only reason that their defense is ever competent, and it becomes a really, really bad defense without him. Um, the game could be a lot higher scoring if he doesn't play. We usually see that in the line movement, too. So it's kind of just a wait and see here. But there's potential for this to be a really strong game to use. And even if the Grizzlies are missing all their guys, I don't think it's a lot of blowout risk either because the Blazers without Lillard and also on the second half of a back-to-back, I I just don't think they're very good. So I I would expect the game to stay close regardless of who's playing for Memphis. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, That What would be your guess for spread in this game? I'll say Portland's favored by four and a half points. I think that that's probably about a good number. I mean, I'm not going to just pick a different number for no reason. Four and a half sounds great. I'll agree with you. Uh, with the assumption that Gasol is in, I think it could be a bit higher if Gasol's out, maybe six or seven. But I would guess that both of those numbers are just inflated and the Grizzlies are just a little bit undervalued in the spot with Lillard not playing. All right. Uh, next game is the Atlanta Hawks at the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm not seeing a spread for this game right now. Uh, Dennis Schroeder's been ruled out. Obviously, Kent Bazemore isn't there anymore. So for the Atlanta side of the game, Isaiah Taylor's going to be starting at point guard most likely. He's another really strong value play at 3,800. Uh, John Collins at 5,100 I think is fine to roster for GPPs. I think Tyler Dorsey's a fine play at 3,600. Uh, Damian Lee up to 4,000. I think that there's just better cheap guys to target. From the Minnesota side of the game, I think that Carl Anthony Towns – is let's see what is his price so he's at 9500 there's a ridiculous amount of blowout risk in this game but as we've said before it doesn't really mean a whole lot for the for the for the timberwolves because they could be up 25 points in the fourth quarter and the starters are still in so if this game is say like a 35 or 40 point game then yes the starters probably come out but i'm not too too concerned about the blowout risk because i think there's a pretty good chance that towns is still in at the end of the game so towns and teague i think are both uh, find guys to target in this spot. Yeah, we've also got like somewhat of a revenge narrative for Jeff Teague against the Hawks, but I, I think he's a good play anyway, even if you ignore that. Uh, yeah, Towns, I think, for a similar price to Embiid is a better play, and maybe he gets lower ownership because of the perceived blowout risk when we see the spread, but like we've said a bunch of times, yeah, there's just no there's no blowout risk for the Wolves starters. Um, Teague does tend to come out of games earlier, I think, than Towns and Wiggins do. I think Teague and Gibson are usually the first two starters off the court, and Jimmy Butler when he was playing. Usually, I think I've seen Teague like two or three minutes before Towns will come out of the game when it's like really out of hand. Maybe Teague comes out at the six-minute mark and Towns comes out at like the three-minute mark if they're up 30 or 40 points or something. But it's kind of a marginal blowout risk. And then I guess from the Hawks' side, none of that matters because they're going to play whatever guys they're going to play, regardless of the score. So I'm fine with using a bunch of the Hawks players, I think. Isaiah Taylor, John Collins, Tyler Dorsey, Torian Prince. They just don't have a lot of players, but I I don't think I would roster Mike Muscala with Dwayne Dedman back, and I don't think I would pay 4000 for Damian Lee. All right. Well, the next game on the slate I think is pretty simple. Uh, Boston at Utah, it's just a fade for me. Two good defenses, a really low-scoring game. It's, it's funny because I, I see this really similar to what – we thought of the Spurs jazz game from last week, which ended up being like a ridiculous 124, 121 point overtime game. Uh, but I feel pretty comfortable fading this game. There's a lot of value on the slate and there's just better targets. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah. It's not that this game can't be a high scoring game and it's not that it can't go to overtime. There are just better bets. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe it's worth an ownership play to stack this game, but only mentioning it just because it happened in the Spurs Jazz game last time. I don't think there's any real reason to target any of these players. So I don't know. Maybe Al Horford at 6,200 is still too cheap, but. And maybe the matchup against Gobert. Yeah, and if Jalen Brown's not on a minutes restriction, if we know that before lock, then at 5,000, I'd maybe consider him. But yeah, I think for the most part, this game is just worth avoiding. All right. Uh, next game is the Clippers at the Suns from the Clippers side of the game. Tobias Harris looks a little cheap for me at 7,300. Something else to keep an eye on is what is Ty Wallace's role in Tuesday night's game and how many minutes does he end up playing? As of right now, it looks like not very much. He's played three minutes, and we're almost at halftime. So I'll say that Ty Wallace probably looks like he's not going to be re-entering the starting lineup anytime soon. So Tobias Harris, to me, is the guy to roster. Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan, really plus matchup for them. But 82 and 8400, I just think is too expensive. Like I would just rather roster Towns or Embiid, who are not really that much more expensive than those guys, and who I just think are much better players. From the Sun side of the game, it looks like there's a pretty good chance that no T.J. Warren or Devin Booker. I think right now they're both listed as questionable, except at practice today. The coach said the expectation that neither one of them are going to play Wednesday night. So Josh Jackson at 7,100, really strong guy to pay up for. Alfred Payton at 5,200, absolutely can't roster him in a cash game. But GPP, he's had some big games at times. It's impossible to predict when he's going to have just a total shit game where he plays 15 minutes when he has a good game. But the good games are in there, so he's worth rostering for tournaments. Uh, let's see. How many minutes did Alan Williams end up playing last game? Williams played 16 minutes. He's a really good per-minute producer, and Alex Len is questionable to play with an ankle injury. If Len is out, I think that Alan Williams could become a really strong play. He scored well over fantasy point per minute last year. He could be looking at... 22 to 25 minutes tomorrow night, and I think that that could put him at an expectation of somewhere around 30 fantasy points. So Alan Williams is a good play if Alex Len isn't able to play. Big Sauce, right? That's his nickname? Big Sauce, yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on rostering Big Sauce, and I think it's also just another good spot for Josh Jackson with everyone hurt on the Suns. Um, where is Tyler Eulis priced now? 4200 Yeah, that's that's probably too much. And Tyler Eulis is just terrible. Um, Alfred Payton, I don't know. I, I, it's really hard to have an opinion on a lot of these guys, but definitely like Big Sauce if Alex Len's not playing and definitely like Josh Jackson regardless. Um, I think Tobias Harris is maybe a fine play, but yeah, I think Carl Anthony Towns and then even CJ McCollum and just other guys in the price range are better plays than the Clippers guys. Um, maybe if we know before lock that Ty Wallace is starting, I'd consider him, but yeah, it doesn't seem like he's getting much playing time right now. All right, the final game of the night is the Dallas Mavericks at the Los Angeles Lakers. This is probably going to have the second, oh, maybe not. The The Mavericks don't play at a very fast pace. I was going to say that it would have the second, the, the third highest over under the slate behind Clippers, Phoenix, and behind Cavs, Hornets. Uh, do you think that's a reasonable guess? Let's see. It's it's hard to figure out. Well, I guess it kind of depends who's playing for the Mavericks. I think Hawks Timberwolves could be kind of high. Um, well, Clippers Suns is going to have a pretty high over under too. I think it'll be the Cavs Hornets game, then the Clippers Suns game, and then the Knicks Sixers game, or maybe even Clippers Suns being the highest. But this game should probably be in the two fifteen to two twenty range. All right. So from the Dallas side of the game, I think Dennis Smith Jr. is fine to roster at sixty five hundred. 
the rest of the guys I just think are kind of uninteresting, and the minutes are a bit spread out right now, especially now that Aaron Harrison's in the mix. Although, one thing, how many minutes did Aaron Harrison play in the first half tonight? Because Harrison did start. I've got it in front of me one second. Yeah, he, he started and he played 20 okay, so minutes. He's played 20 minutes through the middle of the third quarter. All right, so Aaron Harrison is bare minimum price. I think he's a good play, assuming he starts again at that price. Yeah, so, I think so, too. Harrison, 3,000. So, yeah, I could be on board with rostering Aaron Harrison. Because uh, if you can't roster Andrew Harrison, why not roster Aaron Harrison? Or even better. If Andrew Harrison plays, you can roster Andrew Harrison and Aaron Harrison together, and that has to be correlation, right, Matt? Yeah, one of the best lineups I've had this year had Mark and Pau Gasol in it, and they were playing against each other. So we don't we don't have that boost, but at least uh, it is the brothers in the same lineup, and that always makes you have a better score. All right, and then from the Lakers' side of the game, we have Brandon Ingram, questionable to play. He's missed a bunch of games recently with a hip injury. If he's back, I kind of think that screws all of the value we've had on the Lakers recently. Even so, the Lakers are all really priced up right now. If Ingram comes back, I'm going to assume he has a minutes restriction, so that would probably take him out of play, but then he would also take away enough minutes from guys like uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and maybe Kyle Kuzma probably goes back to a bench role to make them unusable. So I think the best target here is potentially Brandon Ingram if he plays without a minutes restriction, but I just think that's a really unlikely scenario. So I don't really think anybody's a great play here outside of maybe Randall or Lonzo Ball as a GPP play. Yeah, I think I think Lonzo Ball is probably the best target with more of a minutes floor with uh, Isaiah Thomas being out. I guess Randall's fine too. Definitely no Kyle Kuzma or Contavious Caldwell Pope. Although if if Ingram doesn't play, I think KCP is probably the best Lakers target. He's the only one who's not currently priced up. He just loses a lot of his role with Ingram playing. Um, but if Ingram's out, I think Caldwell Pope at sixty three hundred becomes the best play to roster from the Lakers. All right, so that is going to finish. The podcast, uh, tomorrow night, Matt and I are going to be recording uh, first baseball podcast of the year. We haven't 100% decided what we're going to do for the rest of basketball season. Uh, we do figure to be more engaged in baseball going forward than basketball. So maybe for like a good basketball slate, we'll do a baseball and a basketball podcast. Uh, or maybe if there's just like a shitty two-game baseball slate, but a bigger basketball slate, we'll just do basketball instead of baseball. Kind of playing it by ear. Uh, but definitely... If you guys like the basketball podcast, hopefully listen to the baseball podcast. Matt and I are both going to be writing articles at rotopros.com, so you could check that out. And we're running a promo code for a pretty cheap membership. It's uh, 50% off using the promo code MLB50, so it's only $15 for a month. So you can check that out for the first month of the season. And maybe you don't like baseball, you like basketball, but maybe sign up for a month and you make the money back from the subscription, and it's worth it's worth it to you. So. Check that out, and thanks for supporting the podcast for the basketball season.